Coming to you live from Salt Lake City, Utah, this is the Ute Edits Podcast with your host, Ute Edits. Good evening, Ute Nation. Welcome to episode one of the Ute Edits Podcast. I'm your host, Ute Edits. Welcome to the show. This is it. I'm here. You guys are here being able to tune in. I'm excited that this is happening. This is a huge step forward for my channel, Utes Edits. For those of you who aren't familiar with my work, please be sure to check out my Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube channels for even more University of Utah content. I've got a lot to talk about this episode, and before we get started, I want to give out some quick shout outs to some amazing supporters of Utes Edits, as well as helping promote this podcast when I first announced it. You guys, since day one of announcing this project, have been on board, supportive, and just super kind. With that, I want to give out the shout outs to the guys at Showtime College Football. You guys are fantastic. Thanks for all that you do. I also want to give another shout out to at UteFanIvan on Twitter. You, sir, are a legend. Thank you so much for your support. And I'm excited to see what you do when it comes to creating University of Utah content. Your content is fabulous as always. 10 out of 10. And if you guys are listening to this, please check out his Twitter and make sure to drop a follow. He is a great University of Utah fan. Definitely one of the best, if not the best. Finally, I want to give out a last shout out to one of my favorite Instagram users, at Pac12Pigskin. He is a great person to follow if you want to dive into Pac12 content. He talks a lot about the conference in general, rumors about conference realignment. He stays really up to date with everything in the conference and he is a fantastic page. Also, he is a University of Utah fan, so that does make it 10 times better. So thank you, sir, for your support and your you contributing to the social media community when it comes to the world of college football. All three of you are fantastic. And again, thank you guys so much for what you do, as well as your support for Ute's edits. All right, Ute Nation, we are less than 45 days away from Utah versus Florida. This is a huge rematch of last year's game down in the swamp. This game was electric, crazy. Everything about it just had the recipe for a fantastic game, and it didn't disappoint. Well, if you're a Utah fan up until the last part of the game. But again, a game that was so good, start to finish, until the very last play of the game. Overall, that is a great game. Florida is a great opponent. I tip my hat to their program for having such amazing players, coaches, and some amazing fans as well. So now, flash forward to almost a year later, we are now... Back in it, we are now talking about the Gators, but this time the tides have turned and now it is time for the University of Utah to host this SEC foe. A few things I want to talk about is that this game is scheduled for a Thursday night kickoff, August 31st, inside Rice Stadium. This is going to be a red out game according to the University of Utah. So fans, please make sure to wear red if you are attending this game. Now, when it comes to this game, there's so much to talk about when it comes to, you know, Cam Rising's health, you know, the overall vibe of the game, who's coming back for Florida, who's coming back for Utah, what are they going to expect? What are some things that Utah can do that can play a factor in, you know, winning this game? 
well, there's a lot to talk about there. But first, you know, this is a different setting for Florida playing a Thursday night game. I'm not sure if they're really too familiar playing a season opener on the road on a Thursday night. So when it comes to this, you know, it's kind of something different for Florida. I imagine that Utah is very comfortable with opening up on a weekday night. They've done it before. In fact, Utah is 13-1 when playing their opening game for a season on a weekday. And that's just under Kyle Whittingham's head coaching. So, you know, 13-1 is a really good record. If you're a Utah fan, you're smiling right now. If you're a Florida fan, you're probably probably sweating bullets. And that's okay. You know, that's just a record. It's just a random stat, and it could easily change, especially when it comes to a great opponent like the Florida Gators. However, Florida is up against a lot of things when it comes to being in Salt Lake City. And for that, I created a little list here of some things that Florida is going to be up against. I'm sure a lot of you who are Utah fans will be aware of these um, mentions. And so um, if you do, you know you're part of the um, – you're part of that – environment at Rice Eccles Stadium, and you know very well what I'm about to list. So like I said, let's talk about what Florida is up against. So in this game, Florida's never traveled to Utah. That is a huge thing for the Gators. This is a huge journey out west, and they're going to be making a steep climb in elevation. Gainesville's Elevation above sea level is only 177 feet. Rice Cycle Stadium, exactly Rice Cycle Stadium, not Salt Lake City, but Rice Cycle Stadium is over 4,600. That's a lot. That, that is a steep climb for the Gators. So knowing how Utah works the ball on offense, I expect that we're going to be seeing a lot of Gator players on defense with their hands on their hips, growing tired, going exhausted from being on the field for so long. That's mostly the case when it comes to opponents who come into Rice-Eccles Stadium. We see that a lot, especially with the California teams. When they come in, they, uh, they get that thin air going through their lungs and it just doesn't go well for them. Next, I want to talk about the home field advantage. Home field advantage is a huge thing when it comes to college football. Take a look at Alabama. Take a look at Tennessee. Take a look at a lot of the SEC conference, actually. They have impressive giant stadiums. Fantastic. Come out west, Rice-Eccles Stadium is very small compared to those stadiums. But not crowd noise-wise. When it comes to the noise, it is deafening. Especially when Utah is getting things rolling. So you have the crowd noise, and that comes from a sellout crowd. Now you might think here, hey, Florida might have a chance here because it's on a Thursday night game. Well, it's not so much the case. Utah fans will show out to this game because Rice-Eccles has been sold out for 76 consecutive games. That's dating back to the 2010 season opener. And for the past two seasons, might I add, the Utes are undefeated at home. So there's a lot to play into that. You know, home field advantage is a huge thing at Rice-Eccles Stadium. It may be a small stadium, but however, you do not want to mess with Rice-Eccles Stadium. You do not want to. It is a hornet's nest, if you will, of a football stadium. Fans will get going. 
they will cheer, they will boo, they will back this team up 120%. Every down, every play. And that's coming from, you know, a place where last season I sat in the north end zone. And as a season ticket holder, it was my first year being a season ticket holder for the Utes. And being that north end zone, it was just amazing. You also had the mighty Utah student section, the Mus. They bring it every single game, especially on games where Utah hosts a huge opponent. We saw it a lot in the 2021 game against Oregon when Utah was wearing the really cool USS Salt Lake City uniforms. Flash forward a year later, we saw it in Utah versus USC. Rice Eccles Stadium is not a friendly environment for road teams. Now, the fans are pleasant. They're nice. They're kind. However, if you are wearing the opposing color on that field, you are going to hear the crowd noise play a role. Finally, I want to talk about the experienced team and coaches all together. Now, this can be said for both teams, honestly, because Utah and Florida haven't met in such a long time in their history of playing games together. So, you know, both things, this can go both ways, but let's focus here on Utah. Utah is very clever and very smart team-wise and coach-wise when it comes to taking notes about teams. After a game, especially if they've lost a game, they will be prepared for the next matchup. They will be prepared for when this team comes back in and tries to get another win on them. They'll try to figure out what worked, what didn't work, how can they you know, evolve their you know, playmaking. And that's on coaches and the team. And like I said, this can be, you know, said both ways for Florida and Utah, but Utah is very good at it. They're very talented at it. And with them being in Salt Lake City, it just is another, you know, just another thing to throw on the pile for Florida when it comes to what they're up against. You have also got to take in the fact that Utah's got returning players. You've got Cam Rising. Yeah, he may be injured at this time. However, he is anticipated to be back in time for the season. I'll be able to cover that more in this next segment of the episode. But first, I want to talk about the returning players. You've got Cam Rising, Money Parks, Devon Vele, Brant Keithy, Thomas Yasmin, Chris Curry, Micah Bernard, Jaquindon Jackson, Jalen Glover, and that's just offense. I haven't named defense or special teams. So Utah's got a lot of returning talent coming in from last year, and those guys are going to know exactly what worked and what didn't work last year down the swamp. They're going to improve their game, and they will be ready for the Gators come August 31st. Now back to the date of the football game. I know a lot of fans, myself included, weren't really excited that this game was going to be kicking off on a Thursday night. A lot of Utah fans were hoping that this was going to be a Saturday night prime time kickoff just because of how well this game was last year and how much viewership it drew in when it came to the broadcasting. And I think overall this game will still, you know, it'll still be good. It'll be great. Utah fans will show up and they will be ready to roll. And, you know, they'll be ready to support the Utes. And I think the Gators will be there. They'll be more than happy to um, support their fans or their team as well. (laughs) I guess I messed that up. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. So, I do believe that there's going to definitely be Florida fans flying into this game, obviously, and they're going to show up. They're going to support their team as well. I'm excited to be able to meet them, excited to be able to just share the experience of the season kicking off. And I can say that 
is the same feeling for a lot of Utah fans out there who will be attending the game. So on Utes edits, I do get a lot of questions when it comes to holding, uh, hosting Q and A's. And a lot of the questions are, what is your score prediction for this certain game? And I think throughout the off season this year, I have gotten a lot of what's your final score prediction for the Florida game. And after looking up, you know, the roster, who's returning, who left, you know, what it's looking like according to ESPN and just kind of like looking in and playing in all the factors of being in Salt Lake City, like I mentioned. I think it's safe to say that this game is going to be a good game, but it's not going to be a close game. And I say that Utah wins this game in stunning fashion, 45 to 24. And the reason why I say that score is because Utah is very good at winning football games when they score 40 or more points in a game. It's almost like the opposing team, once Utah reaches 40, they realize that they are in a hole that they cannot dig themselves out of, and they struggle a lot because somehow when Utah gets 40, Utah just keeps on rolling. Everything starts working for the Utes. So I put them at 45. Now, for Florida, I do believe this team is going to be great. I really do. I think they're going to come in here. And they're going to show the fans that are in attendance some love, get some you know points on the on the, on the board. I think it would be very foolish to say that an SEC team doesn't score on the road. I don't think this is going to be a shutout, but I don't think Florida is going to have it all together because of this environment. So with that said, I think 24 is a fair final score for the Gators. Now, there are going to be some questions about this game that we have all across the Ute Nation and stuff that I'll be more than happy to answer. As we, as we get closer to this game, we are getting very close, Ute Nation. We are less than 45 days away from kickoff. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be electric. Rice cycles, as always, is pandemonium when it comes to big opponents. So with that said, I'm excited to be able to talk more as we get closer to game week with this um, particular topic. I will eventually start bringing on guest stars, um, some fans, college football enthusiasts, um, even Florida Gator fans, because that's the whole idea of this podcast is to be able to connect with not just Utah fans, but a whole wide spectrum of college football fans as well, including whatever fans of the opposing team that we play that week or you know later on the season. I'd like to be able to get to know their opinions on the you know games that we're going to be playing against each other. So, you know, that's something that's going to happen as we get, as we get closer to the season. Um, but for right now, this is just kind of a nice little um, thing to whet your appetite as we get closer to kickoff. Now, like I mentioned before, there is one player that the Utes do want to have back in time for that Florida game, and that is quarterback Cam Rising. For those who don't know, Cam Rising went out with an ACL tear back in January in the 2023 Rose Bowl game against Penn State. Cam did not return for the rest of that game, nor did he play in the spring game for the University of Utah later in April. However, he was seen on the sideline wearing street clothing, interacting with fans, as well as his teammates and his coaches, and overall, he seemed to be in good spirits. So for Utah fans, that left a lot of optimism. They felt like that it seemed like his recovery was moving in the right direction. 
Flash forward two weeks later, Coach Whittingham admits that Cam Rising is on track to be coming back for the season opener. He says that he's optimistic, that Cam's doing well, he's ahead of the rehab, and so far, everything looks to be a-okay. Well, that's the last thing we hear up until, you know, the first week of July. So the first week of July rolls around. Cam Rising is now seen practicing on the field. However, he is wearing a leg brace. Twitter goes nuts. Speculation begins. The rumors start talking. And now we're just kind of, you know, everywhere. (laughs) So with those rumors... A lot of people were saying Cam wasn't going to be back in time. You know, it was most likely he wouldn't even even return until the, you know, middle part of the season. However, Cam Rising on Twitter shut that down quickly with just one f- just quick gif or gif, however you pronounce it. I'm going with gif. So with one gif, he shuts that whole thing down and, you know, Utah Twitter just stops for a second. They stop. And they realize, okay, it sounds like Cam might be doing okay. However, these pictures and videos of him in the brace are concerning. Now, I'm not a doctor. I am no uh, specialist in rehabilitation when it comes to injuries, especially for an ACL. However, doing research, finding out that when it comes to players who are in contact sports they they have a tendency to tear an acl which is you know most commonly the season ending injury in the nfl as well as college football so it requires a brace when it's you know in rehab if this person or player wants to be mobile again if they want to keep moving and using their legs which Cam Rising specializes in, he has to wear a leg brace just to keep from that, just to keep that ACL from, you know, re, you know, tearing or just keeping it safe from further contact. So it doesn't immobilize him. It doesn't keep him from doing his thing. In fact, if you go on Twitter and you watch those videos, he is looking fantastic when he's in the pocket he's still doing his thing he looks mentally and physically sound and i will say rest assured ute nation i am a hundred percent sure cam rising will be back come august 31st if you look up take a chance to sit down look up what an acl tear is figure out how a player you know comes back from it as far as rehab as far as just doing what they need to do to stay physically sound, mentally put together, and just being able to bounce back from this injury. It's a lot, but it's possible. And it does require leg braces. It just does. And, you know, this is something that we might see on cam possibly for the entire season. However, it doesn't immobilize him. It keeps him safe. It keeps him, you know, keeps him safe just keeps him from, you know, further injuring it or re-injuring it as well as the rest of his leg. You just don't want something to happen to him at this time. He's doing great already. He is fantastic at what he's doing. And for the most part, he seems to be on track for a speedy and quick recovery. So that's all the news I've got on Cam Rising. However, if you guys just continue to follow along on Utes Edits, if you guys have any questions about Cam Rising, feel free to, you know, feel free to look around and stay tuned for any news. If there's any news that I hear about it, I'll be sure to post about it and let you guys know. Um, but that's about it as far as Cam Rising goes and his recovery. Like I mentioned, he's doing great. And just judging from the videos, He is doing everything he can to get back on the field and do his thing. And so far, it looks fantastic. All right. And Ute Nation, I want to take a second here to really uh, focus on the Pac-12 conference as a whole. There is so much to talk about in this segment. And first off, 
It's about the media deal. So what we know is that the media deal was due on July 21st, just in time for Pac-12 Media Day. However, it has been announced from an ESPN source that the media deal will not be announced on the 21st and it will be overdue. However, they the source did, you know, announce that this was going to be released in the near future and it would likely include a mix of streaming options and it would be expected to be on par with the Big 12 and ACC conference when it comes to the revenue. So if you're a college football fan, you're thinking finally they've got a media deal worked out. It's just that they're not going to announce the details for quite some time, and we just have to continue being patient. If you're in the Pac-12 conference, you are kind of on the fence about it. You know, it seems like that the conference is moving forward when it comes to negotiations and they're kind of just finalizing this deal. I mean, the one leading rumor is that the, you know, the provider is going to either be the CW or Amazon Prime. It just depends on, um, you know, which one's going to step up and offer the most money. But in the meantime, it is all just up in the air again. So, uh, we won't have anything ready to go for that media deal until after Pac-12 Media Day, which is a bit of a bummer for those who are inside the conference and have been waiting to hear what they've come up with. So in the meantime, let the speculation continue on about conference realignment, potential expansion. The way I see it is it just depends on how this is going to go. If the deal turns out great, we can start looking into expansion, whether or not if the conference wants to, or if they're just okay remaining as 10 teams after the Trojans and Bruins depart for the Big Ten. That's the only thing that's confirmed is that those two teams are leaving. That's the only thing that we have confirmed for the future of the Pac-12. Everything else is just kind of up in the air. You know, the talks about SMU being a potential member that's up in the air. Um, San Diego State seemed to be interested, but now they've gone back to the Mountain West and said, we're going to stay for the foreseeable future. So it just really depends on what happens with this media deal. Now, conference realignment, that has been a constant topic on college football Twitter. It really did start when Oklahoma and Texas announced that they were leaving the Big 12 for the SEC conference, thus beginning the moves for super conferences. Now, a year later, that has died down. That you know, excitement, that need to start a rumor, convince yourself that you've heard a source on Twitter. Believe me, there have been plenty of tweets of people coming up with sources saying that, you know, the Pac-12 is going to collapse any day now, leaving 12 teams stranded, hoping, well, correction, 10 teams stranded, uh, hoping for a super conference to come pick them up. But um, very unlikely and is definitely not the case today. So if you're looking at it, conference realignment happens if, the media deal goes sour. It's unlikely at this point. It seems like everything's moving along for the good, but it seems like for the most part, you know, conference realignment will happen if things go bad. Um, one thing I want to talk about that is, hey, you know what? It's conference realignment. So let's just hop in. Let's be as bad as everyone else and jump into that. So a few notes that I made for it as far as conference realignment is that, yeah, Colorado most likely goes back to the Big 12 if the deal doesn't go well. I think the rumor of Oregon and Washington going to the Big 10 is still a thing. I just don't think that those two schools are looking at it right now. I think that their main importance 
their their main focus, if you will, is on the media deal. And I think that's the same for the rest of the 10 teams who are um, relying on this media deal to keep membership with the Pac-12. So I think as far as that goes, everything is just kind of being put in the back pocket. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt to have an emergency outlet just in case if things go wrong. And that's why I think when it comes to talks about Utah leaving the Pac-12, it's like, where do they go? Do they go to the Big Ten or do they go to the Big 12? There are pros and cons to both. I think if things go wrong, Utah just follows the money and chooses the conference that they feel suitable in. I think they would fit in both just fine. Um, I think that the Big 12, their pro is that you would revive the TCU-Utah rivalry as well as bring back some importance to the in-state rivalry with BYU. But if you look at big the Big Ten, Utah would be back with the Bruins and you, uh, the Bruins and the Trojans. It would bring in big opponents such as Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. You know that that that's all stuff that Utah would look into if this deal doesn't go through. However, like I mentioned, it seems like things are on track. It looks like Utah is staying in the Pac-12 for the meantime. I do agree that the 10 teams are in support of this media deal and they want to see what happens first before making any steps towards conference realignment. And I'm a huge supporter of the Pac-12 and this media deal. I think they'll get it done. I think Utah will continue being a Pac-12 member for the foreseeable future if it does go well. Um, But it just never hurts to have an exit route just in case. So for Utah, if they did have to go somewhere else, they're covered, they're good, they don't have to worry. They have built such a great program as well as a great academic resume for the rest of the country. I think Utah has been a great um, asset to the Pac-12. I think that... Um, overall, I think the Pac-12 knows that and they want to fight for that. They want to fight for their 10 teams and to continue uh, having a great conference. So, like I said, I think that Utah just stays put. The media deal gets done and we continue playing for the Conference of Champions and we keep bringing home championships. So that seems to be what Utah's doing. And for the most part, I'm in full support. All right, and moving on to the final segment of this episode, I want to start talking with the fans on Twitter and Instagram. You may recall that a couple days ago, I went to Instagram and Twitter, started collecting questions across both platforms, and I got to say a lot of you guys responded like it was a lot of responses. So I had a whole mountain of questions to go through. I chose the ones that I was really excited to uh, answer. So if you're if, for any reason, if your question doesn't come up in tonight's episode, uh, you know, we're going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep pulling these questions from, you know, Twitter and Instagram. And you just never know. Just keep asking. If yours doesn't show up this episode, it may show up in episode two, three, four, five wherever you just never know so if you have a question please do not hesitate to comment that's the fun part about this i want to get to talk to you guys so to get things started i'm going to go to the twitter side and start pulling questions from there so first question was what's more important to the team's success in football is it offensive line performance or defensive line performance they made a side note saying that this the, the definition of success is 10 wins in their opinion, but he kind of leaves it open for me. So that is a really good question. Um, 
obviously offensive line and defensive line have their um, strengths and they have their weaknesses and they have their own importance to the team. I will say Utah has always been a defensive program. The offense is now showing up thanks to Cam Rising and the rest of the gang. And I think that right now our defensive line is a huge factor in what we do. Uh, We saw it against USC twice last year when that defensive line gets going. They start chasing down Caleb Williams and other quarterbacks. It puts Utah in a good place. So I think to answer that question, I think it's safe to say that defensive line for me is a huge um, important part of the team's success. Um, I do agree that success is a good 10-win season. I like that. That seems to be a really great year on the books for a college football team. Um, But yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. And I agree with that. 10 wins is a very good um, way to define success. Um, As well as just keeping your players healthy. Um, Another way to define success is how much Utah has put players into the NFL draft. That is uh, another way to define success for our program. But um, yeah, I feel like defensive line brings a lot to the table for Utah. Okay, so this question comes from Twitter again. And this one is, do you think there is any possibility that if the Pac-12 breaks up, what is the possibility that Utah goes to the Big 12? Or correction, the Big 10. Um, Like I mentioned just in the last segment, I think Utah will be just fine. I think Utah has a good chance of going to the Big 10 just as much as they have going to the Big 12. Um, However, I'm still in favor of staying in the Pac-12. I want to see what happens with this media deal. But for the most part, it is a strong possibility that Utah could end up in the Big Ten if things go south. All right, switching it up to Instagram. We've got some couple questions. This first question is going to be a really good one. What game do you think we will win that we will be able to rush the field on? So that's actually a really good question. When it comes to rushing the field, especially at Rice Cycles, it's always done against a high-ranked opponent. I think that in I think for when it comes to our schedule, I think that would be uh, Oregon. To be honest, if I'm being honest, it would be Oregon. I would say Florida if they had a high preseason ranking, um, but I don't think that they will. I think that they would probably be somewhere within. Anywhere between the top 15 and the top 20. So um, I don't think it's going to be a huge game to rush the field on for Florida. Rather, I think the Oregon game would be the one that we would rush the field on for uh, that schedule. Okay, so another question is, will Isaac Wilson immediately be put in the quarterback one position next year? That is actually a really good question. Um, There's a lot of depth to this question that I really had to think about. And I think Isaac Wilson does have the potential to be a great quarterback at Utah. I really do. Um, And this has nothing to do with his brother's success at BYU and moving on into the NFL. I think every individual um, who has a relative in the NFL gets to create their own college career, gets to um, be free of living in the shadow of, you know, their uh, relative and can actually flourish at whatever university university they decide to go to and whatever football program they sign up for. Um, That's the case with Isaac Wilson. I think him choosing Utah was remarkable. I'm excited to have him um, in the Utah family. He is 
he looks to be a really decent kid. Um, I think he's going to learn very quickly how Utah works. I'm pretty sure he learned that very well uh, because his family are his, his family is a mix of BYU and Utah fans. And the reason why they are is because of their, I think if I remember right, it's their dad that played for Utah. However, on the mom's side, uh, on Lisa Wilson's side, uh, they're more like BYU, I think. I'm not 100%, but for the most part, they're a house divided. So, um, Seeing Isaac Wilson commit to Utah, that is huge. And I think that he understands that Utah is a family first program. They don't see this as a job. They see this as a team working as one. And I think he has a lot of respect for Kyle Whittingham and the rest of the coaches. And I think he understands that there is a certain amount of humility that comes from being in such a huge program like the University of Utah. Um, I think the kid can do it. I really do. I think Isaac Wilson can um, be that guy that puts Utah in a very good spot nationally. I won't say that he's going to be better than Cam Rising. Cam Rising has done so much in his own way to bring success to Utah. I think Isaac is going to create his own success at Utah, and it's going to be very hard to compare the two. I think Isaac is going to create his own story, and that's the most important part about college football. That's what each player is there to do. They want to create their own story so that way when it comes time for them to go pro, if they want to, they have their story, and I think that's something that's unique about college football, and like I said, I'm excited to have him. I don't know if he's going to be quarterback number one. It's not a guarantee. That is something that's made by uh, Coach Witt after fall camp. That that decision comes down to him. Um, from what I've seen, you know, yeah, he's going to be entering his freshman year. He's going to be young, but he has got the ability to do it. He's got the talent to be number one um, when it comes to the uh, roster on quarterback. So to answer your question, I would say, yeah, he has got the ability. No, I don't know if he's just going to be automatically put there. I doubt that because that is not what Utah does. If you want to be quarterback number one, you've got to earn it, especially in fall camp. So we'll have to see what happens, and you just never know. Okay, another question is, how loud do you think Rice Cycle Stadium will be for the Florida game? Okay, me personally, I think it's going to be just as loud as Oregon and USC. I think those two games were crazy. The crowd noise is there. I mentioned earlier in tonight's episode that Rice Cycles is not an easy environment to play in, especially if you're a road team uh, or the visiting team. I really do think that the crowd noise is going to be up there every single play of the game and i think it's going to be a very hostile environment for florida um because again like i think i mentioned before it's it's a hornet's nest of salt lake city that is the hornet's nest of salt lake city rice cycles is the hardest place to play in when it comes to the mountain west region i just think that rice cycles is just capable of capturing the noise and just bringing it down on the field like crazy. Um, but like I said, you know, this, this uh, fan base is fantastic. The fans are amazing. You've got the Muss, you've got the North end zone, you've got the Ute fan faithful. You've got so many great fans who are just there to cheer their team on and I think it's going to be a very loud game come August 31st. Okay, so another question is, how do you feel about Cam Rising not going to the draft and staying another year? Personally, I think it was a great move for him considering his injury. I think had the, had the 
story gone different, had the story ended different, I feel like Cam Rising probably would have gone to the NFL draft had, you know, he stayed healthy during the Rose Bowl, had Utah won the Rose Bowl. That is something to end. I think that's that. That's it. You are at the peak of your time at Utah if you win the granddaddy of them all and you brought you know USC to their knees twice in one season. I think it was a fairy tale ending. Had Cam Rising stayed healthy and Utah would have won. However, it didn't go that way, and you know it was bittersweet. However. Cam Rising coming back is just remarkable. It's exciting. It just shows that he knows that his time here isn't done yet, and he wants that ending, whether or not Utah does play in the Rose Bowl this year or at least just gets into a New Year's Six Bowl. So um, regardless, he wants his story at Utah to end the right way, and I think a lot of Utah fans are all for it, myself included. Okay, our final question of the night comes from Instagram. What is the floor and ceiling of this year's team? So that is actually a really, really good question. Um, If Utah is healthy, Utah stays put. I think Utah goes 11 and one. Honestly, I think our only loss would have to be either a road game at Baylor or the road game at USC. I think those are two tough opponents that Utah has to face. I think um, if Utah stays healthy, I know we're going to drop at least one game because nobody in the Pac-12 conference has gone undefeated in its time as the Pac-12. So I think 11-1 and with a, I believe, cotton a Cotton Bowl appearance would be the next thing for Utah, because I think the Rose Bowl is in the uh, college football playoff rotation this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. If I am wrong, it would be the Rose Bowl again. Um, I do think that Utah, Utah's ceiling is a New Year's Six Bowl. An 11-1 season, lost to either Baylor or USC, doesn't matter. It's not both. Um but I think Utah finishes as well. They get their third consecutive Pac-12 championship, and they're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. For floor, I would say, I would probably say eight and four. I think eight and four is a great place to put Utah. I think this team is so. Um, I think Utah is so driven by its previous success as well as um, constantly reminding themselves about Ty Jordan, Aaron Lowe, and their legacy at the U, and continuing to be 22% greater each passing day. So um, I think with that in mind, I think an 8-4 and four season would definitely be the floor for Utah. It's just um, it barely puts you above – you know, being bull eligible. However, it's just, um, it's just enough to push you out of conference championship appearance as well as new year six. It doesn't put you in the college football playoff. Um, but yeah, who knows? And going back to that ceiling, if Utah is 11 and one, you know, that could put them into the college football playoff. So I would say, yeah, you know, add that into the ceiling as well. I think if Utah does go 11 and one, according to my ceiling, not only could it be a Pac 12 championship again, it would most likely be a college football playoff spot or at least a spot in a New Year Six Bowl. So, regardless, that is a very good ceiling for the Utes. And I feel like it is very, much achievable considering the last two years for the Utes. All right, Ute Nation, that wraps up tonight's episode. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. I want to thank all the fans who took time out of their day to ask these questions. Like I mentioned before, if you did not hear your question get called on, uh, stay tuned for the next time I post 
um, a chance for you guys to ask questions. You just never know what episode it might be on. And I just want to make sure that you guys are getting your voices heard, whether you're a Utah fan, college football fan, or even a fan of another college football team. I just want to know what you guys think. I want to know your opinions. You guys are awesome. And I just want to thank you guys so much for your support. Again, I want to give a quick shout out to Showtime College Football. You guys are fantastic. Thank you so much for what you do, as well as thank you for your support for Utes Edits. Um, I did see that question of yours about wondering why your podcast is now the second best in Utah. And I just want to say real quick, I want to get in touch and just say that is unlikely the case. I am just the student. You guys are the masters. And um, I just want to say thank you guys so much for your help in um, helping me get uh, this thing started. I owe it to you guys. You guys are fantastic, and your podcast is amazing. Uh, Fans, if you guys are listening to this, please make sure to check out their podcast at Showtime College Football. They are a fantastic group of guys. Local, they are from Utah, and they do love to talk about the other Power 5 conferences across college football. And again, I want to thank Ute fan Ivan for his support in all things Ute's edits. You, sir, are fantastic. Thank you so much for all that you do. Um, you are, again, the best Ute fan I have ever met. Also, another shout-out again to Pac-12 Pigskin. Thank you for your support, and thank you again for all your help in promoting this podcast throughout the summer. Again, you Nation, thank you guys so much for all your support. You guys have made this possible Utes edits wouldn't be what it is without you guys every single one of you guys again you can find me on instagram twitter and youtube be sure to check out for even more university of utah content um and that wraps up tonight's episode but before we go i want to give you guys a quick preview of episode two In episode two, I discussed the returning quarterback talent coming to the Pac-12 conference, the best places to eat in Utah before kickoff. I also talk about the return of Utah FanFest 2023. That is less than a month away, and there will be lots to talk about about that free event. Also, we're going to be talking the Media Day recap. That is coming up soon. You do know that there is no media deal to be announced at that time. However, there is a lot to talk about when it comes to the other schools, such as Colorado being on the rise with Coach Prime, as well as the defending champions, your University of Utah, and what they look forward to this next football season. And finally, for episode two, I start talking to the fans and getting their thoughts on Utah's upcoming football season. I want to know your guys' thoughts, and I can't wait to see your guys' responses. Until then, Ute Nation, thanks for all that you do. Thank you for your support, and we'll see you again in the next episode. Love you guys, and as always, go Utes.